All right, well, once again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christ Central Church. Great to have you here. My name's Joe Crummy. I'm going to be speaking today. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the New Testament book of John, chapter 8. And I just want to say a warm welcome if you were here from the Christmas carnival yesterday. We had a great time yesterday afternoon at our building, and we had lots of people out for our two-hour Christmas carnival. That was our third time that we've done it, and just keeps getting better and better, and we had lots of guests uh, with us, and so if you were there and are here this morning, thank you for coming. And as Joel said, we're looking forward to being able to pray together tonight, and so I encourage you to be out to our prayer meeting at 7.30 tonight at our building. And last week, Brent took a look at the first of our series of the I Am statements of Jesus, and looking at Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, and that Jesus satisfies. And this morning, we're going to take a look at Another I am statement from Jesus found in John chapter 8, where Jesus says that I am the light of the world. And so as we get started, I'm going to, in a minute, maybe Joel, if you're okay, I'm going to get you to read the scripture, and uh, it'll be here on the screen, and we're going to be reading John 8, 12 to 30. And I don't usually do this, but in light of what Gary just shared and some of the things that came through and worship. Let me just say this as we begin, and I say this because I believe God wants to get our attention, that whenever you prepare a message, for, those, for anyone who's ever spoken before, you realize it's a spiritual battle. And as you prepare a message, it, it's very difficult. And sometimes, I don't quite understand it, sometimes messages come to you very easily, and God just kind of downloads it into, into you, and you can't take any credit for it, but in like sometimes five minutes, you've got a whole message, and that's, and then you just meditate on it, and, and come, other times, it's hard work, and you've got to wrestle, and folks, this one was hard work, and so to be honest, working through this message, it, it was very difficult, and you know, as you battle through, because then you start questioning, am I supposed to speak on something else? Maybe someone else is just going to show up and say, hey, I've got a word this morning, I'm going to say, great, because I got nothing, <laughs> so you come and speak. That's kind of how sometimes you get, and other times you just know it's a battle, and you just got to persevere, and that's what we've done with this message. And this morning in worship, as we were worshiping and not knowing some of the pictures God had given other people, this is the picture I had for this message, and this is why I'm going to get Joel to read the scripture, because after I share it, I have to compose myself. But this is the picture I had, and some of it was in worship, but I believe for this message, I had a picture of a person trapped like in a lake underneath the ice. So if you've ever, if you can picture that, and sometimes you've seen it in movies and different things, I'd picture someone trapped under the ice. And if you're trapped under the you only have a short time to live. And the anxiety and the stress and the fear and the panic that comes from being in that situation and in that picture, I saw myself with this message that as I spoke it, I was like punching holes through the ice. And it, it was like, you break your arm, it's exhausting, but you're like, there's no way, this is a life and death situation. And I feel the weight of this message is one of those ones. And I'm not trying to say it's any different from any other week, but sometimes we're just more aware of the situation that we're in. And the sense I got is there's people who feel trapped here this morning and suffocated 
and that you're going to die. And that's, no, that's not over-exaggerating anything. That is the reality of it. And Gary came and talked about anxiety and how that can paralyze us and how that, all those different things. I'm like, God, you're speaking. And Barb Bradford, maybe in a few minutes, I'm going to get you to share what you just shared with me because it brings a reality to the battle that we're in that we're going to talk about this morning. So Joel, why don't you come and you can read it off the screen because I'm, it's uh, John chapter 8, verses uh, 12 to 30. There we go. So Joel, if you don't mind, that would be great. Thank you. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things, many believed in him. Great. Thanks, Joel. All right. Well, like as Brent said last week, when he talked about bread, it's a universal thing that people understand everywhere. And light and darkness is one of those metaphors that anywhere you go in the world, people use in different cultures, even in different religions, this whole thing of light and dark. And usually, light symbolizes good and dark symbolizes bad. And in a few days' time, there will be a certain movie that makes a lot of money out of this whole concept of light and dark, as you will come to find out with Star Wars and come to the dark side, Luke. So it's a universal thing. Everyone gets that, and a billion-plus people will enjoy watching this battle between light and dark. And in the Bible, light usually means this. Light is God and darkness is sin and Satan and death. And we have all the way through the Bible this whole thing of light and dark, right from Genesis chapter 1 
So the very first chapter of the Bible, just a few verses in, we we see this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. We almost go all the way to the other end of the Bible. In 1 John, one of the last books of the Bible, and John, who same John who recorded this, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So we get established right away throughout the Bible. God is light, and his creation, made male and female, was very good, as we read in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And Adam and Eve lived in the light. They had friendship with God and with each other, and they had no shame, no fear. It was paradise in the Garden of Eden. But very quickly, as the story goes, and this story, as Star Wars has stolen this plot line from the Bible, this is a story that no other can compete with because darkness came as a result of sin. So Adam and Eve didn't trust God. They believed Satan's lie. They disobeyed God's command. And the result, they went from living in the light to living in the shadows. So right away, they hid from God. And it brought darkness in a spiritual way. It brought darkness in a physical way as their bodies began to decay. But darkness spiritually, they hid from God. They were full of shame. They had fear. And it brought separation from God. And Satan usurped the authority that God had given to Adam and Eve. And so we went from the fairy book beginning to darkness coming and bringing chaos to humanity. So much so that we read in Acts 26, 18, when God called Paul to go and share about Jesus, this is what God said to Paul. He spoke to Paul, quote, I am sending you to open their eyes to the people he's going to go to, both Jew and Gentile, so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and be with me by faith in Jesus. So we have this whole thing that we don't always talk about or understand, that as we're going to talk about Jesus bringing his kingdom and Jesus bringing his kingdom of light, we have to understand the reality that there is a kingdom of darkness. And we don't fully quite understand that in our world because we think some things are very maybe made up and very things maybe are more a fairy tale and they don't, we don't always understand or grapple with the reality that there's a battle of kingdoms going on. There is a kingdom of darkness, and as Jesus was calling Paul to say, I'm sending you to go to preach about Jesus and to take back those who were in darkness into light and to take back from the power of the kingdom of darkness, to take back from the power of Satan. And we see that there's these two kingdoms at war. And we have to understand the kingdom of darkness to understand some of the things that Jesus talked about when he said, I am the light of the world. He's saying that into darkness. He's saying that into bringing his kingdom, as we see in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus is bringing in the kingdom of God. And why is he bringing in the kingdom of God? Because there was a different kingdom that existed and was in power, and that was the kingdom of darkness. And here's some things that we learn about from the kingdom of darkness that's led by a real Satan. First of all, the kingdom of darkness, darkness blinds people. So if the lights go out and the power goes off at night, you stumble about because you're blind. You can't see. And I don't know if you've ever been in situations where it's been very, very black, 
So my grandfather worked in the coal mines of Spring Hill, about a mile and a half underground, and when they lost any light, it was the literal pitch black. You couldn't even see your hand in front of you, and you lost all being. One of the times I got most confused of darkness was when I was at UMB. I was in uh, phys ed, and I had to take a swimming course, and I didn't know how to swim. So, and I'm usually, I'm in with all the lifeguards who already know, and I'm learning how to swim. And as we went on, one of the things they did over at the uh, pool is they shut all the lights off when you're in the deep end of the pool, so you can't see anything. You jump in the water that's over your head, and they spin you around, and then you have to try to figure out how to get back to the surface. And you don't know if you're swimming deeper down into the, or if you're trying to reach, because it's pitch black. I conquered a lot of fears on that day, <laughs> and I lived to tell about it. But let me tell you, that type of blackness, that does something to you. That rattles you to the core, because you're blinded. You can't see where you're going. And folks, the kingdom of darkness, Satan blinds. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4.4. He's talking about those, he says, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm doing it because I'm sent by Jesus, and he says, some people... They're, it's like they've got a veil, they just can't see it, and, he's, and they're going to perish. And he says, in their case, that's those who are perishing, he says, the God, little g, God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan blinds. He's the God, little g, of this world, and he's real, and he blinds. That means if we can't see, we are lost. And these are all words that the Bible uses to declare our state apart from being followers of Jesus. So Satan blinds. Satan also does this in the kingdom. He brings fear. We are captive by fear. And folks, the movies make billions of dollars over this one thing. You're afraid of the dark. So every horror movie isn't usually in broad daylight. It's they use shadows, and it uses the dark to scare you. You're in fear. And anyone raising kids, we got a lot of nightlights in our house. <laughs> because it brings, not only are you lost, not only blinded, it brings fear, and it brings crippling fear. And many people are, um, like in a physical, we're afraid of the dark. We are paralyzed, fear, afraid of the dark. And you've got to start asking yourself, why does it seem like we're predisposed to be afraid of the dark? And fear brings paralysis, stress, we're intimidated, we're confused. And that leads to, we hide. And there's this whole thing of shame, and we keep secrets, and it's interesting that in the kingdom of darkness, in the world that we live in, there's a lot of more and more on the rise of occult activity, and if you go to different parts of the world, the occult is very open and it's everything, and so when I was in Guatemala many years ago, you know, it's very open, spiritual, occultic activity all the time. That's the norm. And occult means this. It means hidden things. So again, it's related to hiding secrets, hidden things, shadows. It leads to darkness. Satan's a liar, and he lies. And a lot of times he takes truth, because Satan can't create anything, so he has to distort what's already there. And he tricks us so that evil appears good. And God says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light 
for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So Satan's deceitful. He's false. The Bible says this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, 13, 14, regarding false apostles, Paul says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So folks, in order for Satan to counterfeit something, there has to be something real in order for him to produce a counterfeit. And so sometimes, even in Christian circles, when we talk about people being healed and we talk about spiritual gifts and we talk about gifts of prophecy and we talk about tongues interpretation, sometimes people are very quick to say, well, that's, that's the devil. He's faking things, everything. It's like, yes, he's faking, trying to fake all that because they're real. Therefore, he's trying to produce a counterfeit. And God puts all the safeguards in place for us to know the difference between what's true and what isn't. So we know that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's why we need to be on our guard. And Barb, why don't you come just for a minute? I think it's really helpful. Joel, if you can give Barb the mic. Because as I was saying, we, we have to understand the reality of what we live in. And as I said, as I was preparing this message, I physically, and I'm just using this as a real-life example, I'm, I was physically, uh, I don't know what the right word, sick knowing that it, it was, has to do with this message. I was physically unwell, right up to the point of worship this morning. So, Barb, why don't you just share what you saw? I think it's very helpful. I don't know how many of you knew, but during the whole worship time, Joe was down on his hands and knees before the Lord. I was sitting right back there so I could see him, and I was aware of it. And the Lord impressed on me I should be praying for him. So I asked him to protect him to breathe on him his Holy Spirit, to put a hedge around him so that the enemy couldn't get through. And I saw a vision. The Lord just came and covered you. It's like he put his hands on both sides of you. Couldn't see his face, but his robes were all white, and there was like a white aura around you. And um, I could see him breathing, yeah. just breathing right into your head. Yeah. And all around there was dark demons, I don't know what they were, things moving that were dark. They could only get so close, and then boom, back they went. So you're protected. Yes. And I told, be obedient, I told Joe to, uh, if, if he ever feels overwhelmed again, just to remember that. Yeah. He's got you covered. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Barb. So these things aren't just theory, they're reality today, and they affect us and I'm not the only one that these things affect, but, and there's a lot of signs and symptoms of a spiritual issue, a spiritual battle, and we don't always recognize the signs and symptoms of what's going on because we're in a battle, and we have to have eyes, and so part of me this morning, I'm trying to say through the Word of God, we're in a battle, and that, on one hand, I don't want, I'm not trying to spook you, or I'm not trying to fool you, or anything like that. I'm trying to wake us up to the reality that we're in a battle, and there's a kingdom of light, and there's a kingdom of darkness. Now, the good thing is, it isn't like Star Wars. The kingdom of light is so much greater than the kingdom of darkness. So it's not two equal 51%, 49% battling. It's the God of angel armies conquers the kingdom of darkness. Now, here's the situation we find ourselves in, and we don't even know it, is 
we are in the dark. If we're not following Jesus, we are in the dark. We've got a huge problem. And for many of us, we're even unaware that we're in the dark. Because for Jesus to come along, and John the Baptist did it, he pointed to Jesus. If we read in John chapter 1, he's talking about Jesus. In order for Jesus to be able to say, I am the light of the world, the only person you need to say that the light is here is to someone who's blind. Otherwise, you don't need to say the lights are on because you should be able to see it. But if you're in the dark and you're unaware of that you're in the dark, you can be just bumbling along and you don't even know how blinded you are. And to prove the point, look at the context of who Jesus is speaking to when he's saying, I am the light of the world. He's not in front in, he's not in front of Satan worshipers and demonic things that he's saying. He's in front of religious people. He's in front of the religious people saying, I am the light of the world. And talking about sin, and if you don't follow me, you're going to die in your sin. He's talking to religious people. So that should be a wake-up call if you consider yourself anything to do with maybe a churchgoer or religious, that you have to ask yourself, am I in a dangerous place? Because these religious people thought they could see everything and everybody else was in the dark. And Jesus was saying, no, actually, those who are poor and those who are humble and those who are coming and the little children, they're actually in the light and you're in the dark. So it's a dangerous place to think that you're in the light when actually you're in the dark. And Jesus said to those And I think he would say, in our culture, in our day, and I talk to many people, do you know about Jesus? I'm Roman Catholic. I'm Anglican. I'm Baptist. So the immediate response is, out of my family lineage, I've got that box covered. So if I fill out my form, I can say which denomination I am or which religion I am. And that, they think that is the answer. It's like, that's not what we're asking. I think Jesus would say, because the question is this, how do you get out of the kingdom of darkness? How do you get out of the kingdom of darkness? Because the Bible would say we're really born into the kingdom of darkness. We're born in Adam. We're actually born, we all fall short of the image of God. And whether we know it or not, we're not free agents, people. We're not neutral, picking which side we're going to go on. You're already on a side, whether you know it or not. And the question is, how do you get out of the kingdom of of darkness? Is it by enlightenment, by being more educated? Does that get you out of the kingdom of darkness? Is it becoming more religious? Is it doing good works? Is it all these different things that we try to do to make ourselves feel better because we know something's not quite right? And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. If you want to get out of the kingdom of darkness, you need to come to the light. And it gets even worse because some people, Jesus says, are even content and they love being in the dark. So after the famous verse of John 3.16, we read this in John 3.19, Jesus said, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. But at the end of the day, whether you know, whether you're unaware that you're in the dark or whether you love being in the dark, they both lead to the same thing. They lead to spiritual death. They lead to eternal death. And there's many terms 
about hell that talk about darkness and eternity of living in darkness. So folks, we have a problem. If we don't follow Jesus, we're in the kingdom of darkness. And the question is, how do you get out of the kingdom of darkness? So whether you know it, and you're quite happy to live in the kingdom of darkness, or whether you don't know it, hallelujah, that God has turned on the light. And we see this in all the way through the Old Testament, that the light was promised. And one of our favorite verses coming up to Easter is from Isaiah 9, and it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light shined. And we go on to read this, more familiar. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the Old Testament, there's so many prophecies regarding salvation that have to do with light. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Andy, I always loved when he did that song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I got the leg going. <laughs> I love songs where we're singing scripture. It's just, it's so powerful. And it just puts a song in there that's full of truth. Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. In a few weeks as we celebrate Christmas, if you read Luke 1 and 2, after Simeon, who's been waiting, God promised him, you're going to see the Savior before you die. And as Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple to fulfill all the Jewish requirements, God showed Simeon Jesus. And we read this in verse 29. Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. This gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. Are you picking up more of the context for Jesus then saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If we pick up the context of John 8, we see this in John chapter 6, as Brent did last week. We kind of skip through chapter 7 and picking up in chapter 8. But all through those things, as Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, he's pointing to himself as the Messiah. He's saying, I am the anointed one. 
I am the Savior. I am the King. And Jesus the Messiah is ushering in the kingdom of God. He's saying, I know the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. Can you understand now why the religious leaders were like, by what authority do you have? Where did you come from? Who's your father? It's the original, who's your daddy? They wanted to know, what authority do you have? Because they're understanding what Jesus is, is saying. And they're like, where did you come from? Who's your dad? What authority do you have? They flat out ask him, who are you? They wanted to know the identity of Jesus. And Jesus is saying through this, I'm the bread of life. I've come to satisfy. In John chapter 7, we didn't have time to read it, but Jesus on the greatest day of the feast, last greatest day of the feast, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. I'll give you living water. Jesus saying, I'm going to quench that thirst. And here Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. I bring life. I save. I am he that has been talked about from the beginning. So Jesus' message has been consistent all the way through. And if we had time, we could read in chapter 9, because in there Jesus says he's the light of the world again. And in chapter 9, what does Jesus do? Jesus heals a man who was blind physically. And Jesus is proving in a physical, I have the authority. (laughs) And it's amazing just to see the man who was blind if you follow the whole thing through, it's quite a long passage, but he talks about, I didn't even know who, he starts out, I don't even know who healed me. And then it goes through, oh, I heard it was Jesus. And by the end, he's saying, he's the Savior. And Jesus is saying, there's proof through the things I've done on, when I was on planet Earth, he brings healing, as he did in chapter 9. But Jesus says the key proof is going to be this. In verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I am doing nothing on my own authority, but speak as the Father taught me. The irony is this, that as Jesus went to trial, He was beaten. Jesus had to carry His cross. As Jesus was hung on the cross, Jesus, light of the world, was snuffed out. But actually, as his light was snuffed out, the world could see, and it was actually the greatest revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one. Only God can do that. Take the thing that you think, Jesus, light of the world, died on the cross. Actually, Jesus embracing darkness and taking on darkness brings us light. The light swallowed by darkness Sean brightest. And we read this in Luke 23, 44. It was now, as Jesus died, it was now about the sixth hour, which is noontime, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., while the sun's light failed. And what happens next? And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Wow. Has the sun's light ever failed? Jesus knew where he came from. He was sent from above. Jesus knew why he came. He came to do the Father's will, to lay down his life. Jesus knew his identity. He knew he was beloved by the Father. Jesus knew where he was going. He was going to go back with his Father, but now 
multitudes were going to come with him. Jesus came to dispel spiritual darkness, and to do so, Jesus had to endure the darkness and the suffering of the cross and separation from his Father. It's powerful, isn't it? That Jesus endured darkness so that we don't have to. And as we sang about this morning so wonderfully, and you could just feel it rise because of the truth of the resurrection, that light overcame darkness. Up from the grave he arose. And as only Jesus can do, as with so many times when Jesus spoke, Jesus was able to take something so universal, a universal declaration, I'm the light of the world! And yet he brings it right down to us personally. Whoever, male or female, Jew or Gentile, personal, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So there's a choice, isn't there? And as we know in our planet, our planet revolves around the sun, the physical sun, and the sun is the light of the world. And everything in our galaxy depends on the sun. And without it, there'd be chaos, there'd be darkness, there'd be death. And in the spiritual kingdom, Jesus is the center of all things. The first and last word will always be his. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other. And we personally must acknowledge his centrality. We must choose to put Jesus at the center of our lives. And for us at Christ Central, that's our tagline, isn't it? We're all about making Jesus central to our lives, to our church, to the world. That's our great calling. And the reaction in Jesus' day is the same as today. Some believed. Some walked away. And some were very hostile to his message. Because we realize, if this is true, if Jesus really is these things he's claiming to be, then Jesus is not an optional add-on. Jesus possesses and gives the light that produces eternal life. And that provokes a response. So either we're going to accept and believe and receive, and as we do that, we get transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Or we're going to remain in darkness, even if we think we're neutral, or we're going to become even more hostile to the message of the gospel it's going to provoke a response. And the good news is this, and this is where we're going to end with, is the amazing thing is we go from darkness in the kingdom of darkness to following Jesus' light of the world. We get transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into his light, and guess what happens? Jesus says this, now you are the light of the world. What an amazing thing. So if we went back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And we see other writers in the Gospels and Paul, if you read Ephesians 5, pick up on this 
thing that once you were darkness, now you are light. Live as children of light. And so we receive, it's a really important, a new identity because now you're in a new kingdom. Listen to these verses. 1 Peter 2, 9. Peter, man, who was like denied Jesus, shameful, ran away, but now, Jesus, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Receive the Holy Spirit. Peter writes, but you are a chosen people, those who are followers of Jesus, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's why we worship here on Sunday morning. That's one of the reasons we're declaring, we're proclaiming the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you remember that verse from 2 Corinthians 4? I talked about the God of this age blinds us from the gospel. For those who it's been revealed, we read this in verse 6 and 7. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Woof! We have a new identity. So if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know that you've been transferred from the dominion, the domain of darkness, into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his son, whom he loves and whom we have redemption. You once were dark, now you're light. Your identity affects then your behavior. So you better know who you are. And if we can get this, then the life of Jesus that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John takes on more meaning because it brings on a fullness of Jesus being the light and showing us the kingdom of God that we are to bring about in our world. And Jesus isn't just sort of an example that we're kind of like, well, he set the bar really high and there's no way we can do it. No, he's an example because now he comes and empowers us to be his hands and his feet and to do the things that Jesus wants us to do. So if we go about reading, and I just encourage you, again, it's so wonderful just to read like this Christmas season, read the book of Luke, read the book of Matthew, read the book of Mark, read John, get caught up in Jesus bringing in the kingdom of God. He brought salvation for sins. He brought mercy and forgiveness. He remembered the poor and gave them dignity and help. He brought healing, physical healing. He brought deliverance from evil spirits and strongholds. He brought peace where there was fear. He brought freedom where there was bondage. He brought sight to those who were blind. It is good news. The light has come, and he dispels, he pushes back the darkness. And folks, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the great thing. This is the great adventure that we're on. Well, get back there. Forget about it. We'll come back to Packer. He's a good quote as well. This is the good news that we're on is that we get to live out not a boring life holding on for heaven. We get to live out the life of Christ personally and together. And we can't say it enough. 
This has to permeate our understanding of every day that we get to bring in the kingdom of light everywhere we go. And sometimes it's going to be miraculous things. Maybe there will be some signs and wonders. But a lot of the time, it's this. It's bringing a kind word instead of a harsh word. It's uh, bringing in the Proverbs. A gentle answer turns away wrath. It's bringing forgiveness where it's not deserved. And most people would get bitter, and rightfully so. But we're going to bring in forgiveness because we have a merciful God and we've been forgiven. We can do that individually, but we get to do that together as well. And as Kelly said, I love it. When we as the body shine together on a Friday night just serving a meal, we're not doing anything out of the ordinary, but people feel family. Why? Because we're his body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family. And what I love about what God's done humbly through many people involvement in this church. It's not just a once a year thing. It's every day. And so we are a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And we need to let our light shine. And we can do that personally and we can do that together. Folks, that's exciting. We get to bring in the kingdom of God. We get to be light everywhere we go. That We get to push back the darkness. We get to stomp out the darkness by bringing in Jesus, light of the world, shining through us. That should lift our heads. It should give, get us out of bed in the morning. That we're a people that point people to Jesus. That he's our light through our words and through our lives. That our good deeds are done with the right motivation. They're to reveal God. That we're, together we're a city that we get to shine and give people, we want people to give glory to our Father in heaven. That we have been saved and we get to share the testimony, Jesus has saved me from darkness. That we get to more and more be able to share our lives. Once I was addicted to fear, I was a fearful, once I was in the control of anxiety, but Jesus has set me free. That's bringing in the kingdom of light that we get to remember the poor and we're going to have more opportunities. Folks and people have asked about the refugees and what are we doing, everything. Folks, there'll be lots of opportunity. But we're already doing. We're helping our brothers and sisters in the Congo get their spouses here. A lot of things are already going beyond behind the scenes of bringing in the kingdom of God, reuniting families, welcoming the stranger. We get to pray for healing for people. We get to see deliverance and take authority over evil spirits. We get to bring in peace where there was fear, and we get to bring in freedom to worship in love and to become whole. That's an exciting mandate. So I know God strategically placed every one of you where he wants you to be. At home, bring in the kingdom of God at the university, college, at the hospital, at your workplace, in the schools. I can go through every one of your things. In the military, all the different avenues that you have, you get to bring in the kingdom of God, and we get to do it together. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come.
And we had an opportunity earlier, but I'd like another opportunity that I believe kind of part A happened in worship, part B comes from the Word of God, of folks, we've been pounding through a lot of ice this morning, and I feel like we got a big hole here. We can reach down and help pick people up. I believe, obviously, there's two categories to that in a sense. There's two types of people, those who are still in the kingdom of darkness, that you need to get into the kingdom of light, and that can only happen by what the Bible says to be called born again, that we're born of God's Spirit, and He transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's the greatest transaction ever. And then for those of us who are already in the kingdom of light, we can get pretty bound up that we can open ourselves up to things of darkness. We can get so that anxiety becomes our God instead of Jesus. All these different things. And we need freedom. And Jesus is here today as light of the world. He dispels the darkness. And so as we worship, okay, let's sing out these songs of truth. And then let's get ready that if God's working on your heart, then let's be obedient to that. And let's take ownership of that, of making sure Jesus is light of our world. So we'll let John and the team lead us in this great song, and then we'll give you some more instruction. So why don't you stand together?